Hello and welcome to Keyframes, a podcast about anime. I'm your host, Ben Halliburton. With me today is Andy. Well, on 2020. <laughs> Duncan. <laughs> You're not going to get a rise out of me, Andy. Uh, we're on number 62. After, we, the results, we... after the results of the last decade's best anime, I mean, I, I can only hope for the best in the next decade, right? <laughs> Flowers of Evil 2, just like we dreaded at the time. <laughs> well, speaking of the polar opposite of Flowers of Evil, y'all have been watching one of my favorite anime to recommend out of nowhere to people who don't care. No, I'm not talking about Kare Kano. I'm talking about Girls in Panzer. Mm, yeah, we have been watching that. <laughs> Purely because it was on Netflix. And then I think Doug was like, oh, it's on Netflix. And we were like, oh, <laughs> I guess it's yeah. on Netflix, so we'll watch it. The stre- yeah, the streamer's plan is working perfectly. This is exactly how they get you. Right. This is this is how I watch anime. If it's not on a very easily accessible device, then I'm probably not going to bother trying to find it. Yeah. Unless it's really... Well, don't, don't tell that to our podcast listeners. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> we seek out the most obscure stuff. I watched Argue, remember? That is true. Actually, I found a torrent... I mean, I found um, some way of getting the Dirty Pear movie uh, locally. So <laughs> I'm going to try and oh, watch that right. over cool. a couple of weeks. Um, uh, but yeah, Girls and, but Pan- right now. Girls and Panzer, though. Um, it's an interesting show. It's... <laughs> It's upsettingly based for a show that Ben so abs- like unequivocally beloves. Like, does- I mean, I don't. <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> to, qu- <laughs> to quickly uh, summarize, it's about a um, in this fictional world, there is uh, <laughs> a school. There, schoolgirls have a sports group called Senshido, which is basically like a tank club. Uh, but using the dough from something like a fighting taekwondo, yeah. yeah. So like it's a sort of training camp or like a yeah, like a martial art, um, and it then sort of resolves around them sort of trying to be in a tournament to win the be the best of their of that school in Senshido. The school being a school that has never used had Senshido, which is the main reason why your main girl joins because yeah she left the nazi school because of mm. unclear reasons at the beginning of the show (laughs) and she went to this one this one school which are on an aircraft carrier as we said before we said last episode aircraft carriers which is the weird thing like this is the reveal of the last episode it's just like by the way they're on aircraft carriers and you're like (laughs) sorry what what the fuck like why why are they on aircraft carriers it's cool isn't it cool it's pointless. Like, there's there's no reason for them to be on aircraft carriers because it's it's. They... I mean, if they're reinventing the world that like girls do uh, tankwondo as the fan subs like to call it before they called it tankery in the official subs for some see they godforsaken reason. It, they just called it sensual. They don't oh, even bother translating. That's better, I guess. Netflix translation, yeah. The um, official ones for the Sentai subs are is tankery, which is. Doesn't even sound like a sport. Doesn't well, it's, it's not even a pun. I suppose it sounds a bit like archery. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess. I think that's probably what they were trying to evoke. I mean, the West doesn't have a great tradition of its own martial arts, uh, at least competitively. We don't have like. I guess we have kickboxing. That's we have dumb. MMA. The best. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> and wrestling. <laughs> uh, but uh, but if we're going to imagine a world where like gir- the most popular sport is for teams of four girls or five girls to drive a tank and fight each other with like 
black powder shells and electronic hit detection, which looks very much like just really getting shot with a tank shell. Uh, (laughs) Like if we're going to reinvent the world for that, and it's like, it's like the consummate feminine sport. And, you know, it's like, you know, it's the way that they describe like women are like hard as steel. It's how, you know, a woman is a good woman because she, she, she participated in mock tank battles in high school and college. (laughs) Why not make aircraft carriers? Why not make everything? (laughs) Like, I mean, the one thing I think is probably because it's a clever nod to the fact that and I use clever in like huge scare quotes not to the fact that uh, (laughs) um, that school uniforms are essentially naval uniforms aren't they Uh, just slightly reworked at least they are in Japan Mm -hmm. Um, but even then it still doesn't make sense because then you've got the mainland when they do have fights which are actually legitimately on like Japan soil or Russian soil like it doesn't make sense. Like, the last fight is underneath, like, fucking Mount Fuji. And also, people are living there because there's that whole thing. That's my like, favourite part. That's Duncan's favourite part. Oh, the people still live there. It's like, it's like the girls just get shipped off for no fucking reason on, like, a giant ship, which is also self-sustained and has families and their own livelihoods. But just fucking put them on a boat. Why not? Which also can have fucking battles in because they have test mock battles in... Censored. Oh, it's just point. It's weird and baffling and pointless. It's such a it's, bizarre. It, it is. To it do. is fanciful in a way that you rarely see fancy applied to. It's just trying to engineer the perfect world where a bunch of little cute girls can like be really interested in tanks and obsessed about tanks. Like, um, is it Akari? Is the is the like the tank nerd in a world of tank nerds? Uh, where she like knows every tank stat and yeah, I I don't know. It's it's a it is a hilarious number of excuses just to have a world where like everyone is obsessed with tanks and especially uh, 16 to 18 year old girls are obsessed with tanks. <laughs> yeah. They're certainly like, they've got an idea of, and then they've had to fucking backpedal and backpedal to work out how this can exist in this world. Uh, Cause I believe it was a video game before it was an anime. No, it was, it was originally oh, it was a manga. No, it was originally, it was made, it was made custom for the, uh, I'm pretty sure. Don't make me doubt. <laughs> No, manga 2012. And then, oh, really? And then, but the, the anime is also 2012. <laughs> uh, yeah, the manga the manga started in June. The anime started in October. I think they're from the same production committee. Yeah. I mean, that's not unusual that you get no. property just launching on all fronts at once. Yeah, it's how it's how they used to do it in like the the mid to late 90s, especially. Which led to hilarious situations, like I think we've talked before, Evangelion's manga and anime started at the same time, and the manga just ended like three years ago. Yeah, that's yeah. ridiculous. I mean, I mean, the thing is, you can just diverge and use the manga to go into different details, which is yeah. Well, they have a cute, they have a cute thing where like one of the manga spinoffs is like them in. I think I've already talked about this, and if so, I'm sorry, listeners. Yeah. One of the manga spinoffs is them in junior high, and like the different the tanks you use in a given like age league are matched to like the different wars so so uh junior high uses world war one and interwar tanks and then uh high school uses world war two tanks and then college uses like um late war slash early cold war tanks and then professional uh uses cold war up to modern tanks which is i think it's i again that's the sort of shit that like gets to me i, I just like that someone was like okay Barring the fact that this is a completely, like, hilariously implausible setting, let's go ahead and, like, well, wouldn't it make sense that, like, we had, like, they, they have the girls using World War II tanks, because obviously that's, 
a many people's like favorite era of tank and then just kind of extrapolate out a system based on like this thing it's the same thing as the aircraft carriers i don't know what do you guys think about the characters and the drama besides the fighting because the fighting i'm sure you would agree is great i i mean going back to the tanks this is like sort of i think i did touch on you off air about this this is my main problem with the show is the fact that they the whole of the thing is a flight of fancy. Like, none of it can make any sense. And yet, they're using real-world World War Two tanks, which yeah. just is uncomfortable for me. It's just like, watching it, I'm just like, okay, I get it, they're cute girls, but these are real tanks that have been used to kill real people, and, like, thousands have died and suffered because of these war machines. And then you're just like, hey, wouldn't it be fun if they all just go together and they're all completely fine? Because I believe of carbon or something that they said... And yeah, I know... they have, they have uh, carbon tubule armor and uh, <laughs> black powder shells. And I know so that... it's literally impossible for there to be an accident, except for the accident that's the inciting action for yeah. the main character's it, arc. <laughs> the main character's arc, her whole thing is that she was like, she was kicked off the Nazi team because <laughs> she, uh, she a tank fell into a, rage, a rampaging river and all of the girls were going to drown. So she did the thing that anybody would do, which was to be go and save them. And then they were considered, oh, you shouldn't have saved those girls who are going to die. <laughs> you should have just gone on and won for us. And I'm just like, what fucking world are you in that this is like... A world where there's a Nazi team, I mean, not a Nazi team, a people, a, a, a team that exclusively uses World War II era German tanks and dresses in Nazi looking uniforms without any of the insignia. I, it's just like, it just, it, it just like, just, despite how cute it is, like my main problem is exactly that. It's like, it's clearly referring to World War II and like, or, well, like you said, actual World War II tanks. I, I just don't understand why they could have not just gone... This is this is a World War Two like kept everything but just kept the name or kept something else that that changed it so that it wasn't such a blatant. But the reference. pleasure is seeing those actual tanks in action and animated with like eventually by the time we get to the movie like so much money. I Did mean, you... maybe if you're a fan of World War Two tanks, I couldn't give. Well, two yes, fucks. that's <laughs> right. fucking yes, I, Andy. I couldn't give two fucks, and it's just it just sits funny to me that they're so happy to like. Uh, you know, what's that word? Like, aggrandize these tanks that are not always, like, just things of war. And I guess maybe this is the pacifist in me being like, oh, I don't like fighting. But it's not even that. It's about that they're using real machines in a fictional universe that's completely made up. Does it, is that, am I... Does that make sense? Or am I just... Like, I, I understand start? what you're saying, Andy. And I, have, <laughs> I kind of have a two-pronged response that I don't think invalidates what you're saying. I do, I do think that, first off, Japan is generally more comfortable showing like day-to-day just like axis the axis forces during world war ii just like showing their regular people as human people i'm thinking of the three-part ova the cockpit which will never be released in the west because it includes uh, a sympathetic portrayal of a uh, japanese kamikaze pilot and Mm. of two german pilots one of whom is flying on a captured b-17 to drop a nuke on washington uh so like i think there is just a general like less discomfort with showing the hardware of war there and on the other hand this is what i personally think and i understand that this is not how other people think that i think that by that by showing showing these machines as toys for girls and no one gets hurt is is kind of emasculate some of their some of their violent energy there they're 
it's like uh, how C3BU, uh, Stella Women's Academy um, Airsoft Club anime. Uh, I fucking sh- sh- cut those two titles together really wrongly. Uh, but uh, how that has like real life guns, but they're all airsoft guns and no one gets hurt. And actually the more dangerous person is is one of the characters who gets way too deep into airsoft slash like pellet gun fighting. So like I I understand being uncomfortable just to see weapons of war there, but I personally like I don't know. Like no one's going to go out and buy a tank and uh <laughs> Uh, maybe in america give us a give us a decade but until then like i don't i can see how people might worry about it rehabilitating like fascist instruments of war and indeed like if you read negative reviews of girls and pans they're almost unilaterally uh saying that like this by making a you know a tank that killed hundreds of american and british and uh British colonial possessions and Australian et cetera soldiers uh, by making it this this toy it like minimizes their sacrifice and makes it too soft and cuddly and accepting but like I don't know I mean I I personally just enjoy seeing the tanks depicted as tanks as accurately as possible the only inaccuracy is that it's, they have 14 to 16 women driving them and that they are that they're harmless that they don't kill anybody and I mean I think it's a fun show beyond that discomfort. I think that you've probably led the listeners to think that you don't like this anime, but I think you actually think it's pretty all right, yeah, right? I, it, it's, it's like, I mean, whilst I, my only counterpoint to that, I mean, whilst I understand what you're saying, I, I just think, I don't know. I just think that it's maybe putting it in that light. And even then, like the way that they, they get attacked and the way that they get hit, it doesn't look like it's a simple, like, Oh, that didn't hurt at all. Like they're definitely like knocked and smashed and flipped and destroyed. Like <laughs> they're certainly causing damage. So sure. They're not exploding. That does, get, that does get comedic after a while though. Like, does, especially with the does. smaller tank, which especially, is just, yeah, <laughs> that gets flipped around. Well, cause I think there's rules that like your tank has to be rendered immobile. And so if the light tanks get hit, sometimes, especially did I, did, did either or both of you watch the Italian, fighting yeah. the uh, Anzio Battle OVA no, where those like tiny little Italian that. tanks like fly through the air and just happen to land on their tracks and the like the po- automatic pop-up flag that surrenders the tank doesn't go off and so they just flip the tank over and get back in it's very I don't know I mean I think yeah, the, the, so... the Italy battle one is the most absurd in terms of just like what are the rules of this of this game <laughs> I, 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 I love the little flags they're, they're one of the yeah. best things. Like you just see see this tank just bang, 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 boom, and then just this tiny little white flag. Yeah, there's always a little hatch that opens up, and this it's a it's a white flag on like a bamboo pole too. So it's very, <laughs> it's it's very like Japanese traditional martial arts. Are just poops. yeah, and no matter what angle they're at, it always points straight up. <laughs> yes, like... there's always one that can come up straight up. Um, yeah, I. See, but I think that that like that playfulness, like that. I think that because what I think of when I think of Girls and Panzer, I compare it most usually to Upote because I haven't seen Strike Witches and don't no. really have an interest in no. seeing Strike Witches. But Upote, like, kind of has the wrong mix of serious and and comedic, and I think that Girls and Panzer gets it much more where it takes its tanks very seriously, and there's not really many jokes 
about the tanks themselves. But there are jokes about the fact that the tanks are being driven by young girls who, uh, in the case of, I think, one of Duncan's favorite early scenes is the volleyball team just, like, leaving, like running out of the tank <laughs> the first time they come under fire. They open the back hatch and just run away in the middle of a battle where they're using, like, real shells, apparently. So but they're using them, like, they shoot bullets as well. Anyway, right, that's beside, right, beside the point, that's moving a point aside that, yes, like, that is fun. Um, but the other good thing is is when the tanks are less and less realistic, that's when it becomes the most fun. Like, the the good finale of the last battle, I guess we're earning this now, um, when there's one big tank that's impossible to defeat, none of them can do it, and then they the use mouse. sort of like, sure, they use three tanks to sort of like, one to ram into it, another one to go over the one that it's rammed into so that it can't rotate, and then another one to like do that and hit its one weak spot. Like, that's the fun stuff. That's the good shit. Yeah. Because that's my least favorite part of the show. <laughs> it uses, it uses teamwork and then it uses like teamwork, it uses like, fun stupid like tank tactics that can never work like fast and the furious bullshit and then yeah and then i mean it's... even the even the finale of the of the show where like you have a is it a it's a tiger tank and a and a a panzer four are the two rival tanks and they're like drifting around each other in this <laughs> in, in this uh this plaza yeah yeah but that's and, oh, I, People love that shit. I hate it. I I wish that it had less Fast and Furious stuff, but I'm glad that it worked for somebody. The, the stuff with the mouse just reminded me of like a me age ten with a couple of tank toys just smashing them together. And yeah. Like, <laughs> like, and I put this yeah. tank on top of this tank and this tank on top <laughs> yeah. and yeah, boom, it all goes. Um, and I think that's the key to it, though. It's 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 this weird joyful all marvel about the machines, which. I think is definitely uh, it's something which uh, like young young boys definitely have to a certain degree. Like before you know anything about what playing toy soldiers mean, you, you think it's great. You think it's marvelous, and the, the moment that you understand that something is obviously lost, but obviously gained as well uh, <laughs> otherwise if it wasn't society would be in a pretty bad place and uh, the, that's the strange thing of um, Girls and Panzer that this idea that growing out of the, the fascination with these huge machines and their destructive power and them being these fascinating things to young young boys you know, he's, and then as Ben says sort of saying okay but what if we gave them to to women and <laughs> they just decided okay we're just gonna play sport with this we're not gonna start wars we, we it's just gonna be we're just gonna run around and competing with these these weird little different philosophies i think the one part which it falls down to me to a certain degree is not necessarily even the 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 machinery, it's their allusion to real tactics and things like encirclements and other sort of real military manoeuvres. And mm -hmm. that's, like, yeah, you can say that's fun as in a game, but the moment you start bringing people recreating 
sort of tactics which people use to kill other people. Like you can you can say, okay, a tank exists in a vacuum. It's a tool built to kill people, but you can still be fascinated by it in its sort of pure mechanics. Whereas a tactic is something which has no other purpose other than to um, to kill people, I guess. And I, for me, like that, that's when you allude to people copying famous military tactics. That's slightly ickier for me. I don't know. Maybe that's a weird yeah. one. No, I was just thinking, like, my, my opinion is literally, I remember there was a, a retrospective interview that uh, Hidekiano did, I mean, I guess at this point, like, over half a decade ago, where he's talking about, like, people like, well, how do you feel about doing all these works where military hardware is really is really front and center? Like, thinking of all the, the responses to... Uh, to nerve and Evangelion, these tanks and like the black force, the black ops guys with flamethrowers and guns. And uh, he says, like, it's important to remember that there's weapon, they're weapons of war. However, there's a beauty and undormed functionality that's totally separate from the fact that they kill uh, fighter planes and battleships of a simple unadorned beauty that I find attractive whether or not I think of their functionality, but I don't want to see them in action killing people. And I think that's why why girls and panzer gets by from even though it is tanks is like you never see them kill it. like no one ever gets hurt from them and you may argue that 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 disconnects people uh from their function as as killing machines but i also think that ultimately they are just machines and the context is what matters and i think the context uh in girls and panzer is kind of like cute and fun and harmless and Un- non-toxic, even detoxic. I would almost feel like. I would so. also. I'd also just like to say, like the other thing I liked about the Fast and Furious stuff in the last fight that we were talking about earlier. I think that also does a good job of like stepping those tanks away from their real function. Like it does do stuff. Like that stuff is obviously you'll never be able to do that. But that's what made it fun. Like that's why it was enjoyable because it was like, yeah, it's it's. It's believe it's believable in this in this crazy anime world. Obviously, it's never going to happen, but you can still. I personally, I thought that that was a more enjoyable like way of depicting tanks than the real sort of like just turn left, turn right, aim, shoot, aim, shoot, not been hit, aim. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that was like a bit I, more fun. Yeah, I, I love the like recurring joke with the volleyball team's uh, tank and the it, them hiding it in garages and trying to sneak up on people, and it always going wrong for them. In in, in apart from in one final episode where they, it still goes wrong for them, but they've yeah. got backup. And this time, <laughs> and this yeah, time, I, this time, I, I also like my my other big um, problem with. Like you, you sorry to feel like we're constantly shitting on the show when it's not. It's actually quite. Yeah, fun. I mean, we can talk about the good parts too. <laughs> Let's go. To I the think good people know after this one big <laughs> bad point, which was, um, as I said, it was like it was based, but only because like the the reasons why they're fighting, the reasons why censure they come, they uh, they go back to Senshido, this one school that hasn't been using it for like generations, is because the school's about to close down, which is such a cliche trope that is in like. <laughs> every other high school club thing ever like it's such a boring trope i'm just like okay well now i know they're gonna have to win um like love life does it to fucking everything like you're just like well yeah it's gonna happen um but 
Let's talk about oh, let's talk about the real good shit. I was going to say the other weird things when they try and find some new tanks and they're just like, let's look around this aircraft. For I mean, tanks. I love that. I love that. Yeah, it I like was that part stupid, too. but I was like, them just running around, be like, have you seen the tank anywhere? And they're like, uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I like that. I like that in this world, like some people on the ship still don't really know what tanks are. Like something. Like, oh yeah, there's like a weird, like big machine thing that's in. It's like in the bottom of the, sh- the ship's bowels, and it's like, you mean a tank? You know, we have like a, we have literally like a championship tank team. <laughs> it sort of reminded me of like um, in uh, the. Uh, the Konosuba movie when they're using that massive like the world ending gun to like hang up washing like, yeah <laughs> that's a similar thing it was just like I don't know what this is but we'll just put it there and it's used for shit uh, yeah and also it sort of gave this impression of um, not just a tank but that that weird naval warship thing that they're on having its own life and sort of history and sort of like archaeology as it were uh, as it as you go down and down in the layers of its uh, hull, that was kind mm-hmm. of interesting and cool. Um, so I did like that as well. Uh, I mean, I think generally the, the the theme of surprising depth in a show that is literally just like cute girls driving tanks, like that's literally all it is. But yeah. I think that even the characterization is pretty good. Yeah, like. You have all the, 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 the four the five people of the main tank team, uh, the sleepy slacker, the like Ojo Sama, the like girl who's all about like cell phones and talking about boyfriends. Uh-huh. Um, but I've never had a boyfriend herself. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, the like super gonzo tank nerd and just like the kind of normal girl who likes who likes beat up stuffed animals, which it was a weird twist from the beginning where she, after she got, we thought she got hurt cause it shows after she's trying to save that one tank in the beginning bit, we show like a bandaged up bear. But then we find out later that that's just like a character. This is bandaged <laughs> up bear. And she's just like a big fan of them. I but yeah, I just, I, I don't remember that bit. I'm, I mean, <laughs> so the, the main, the main anglerfish team, Mm-hmm. Just to go through their names. Nice, good job. Yeah, Anglerfish. <clears throat> uh, there's a uh, Miho, who's the commander. Then there's the gunner uh-huh. Hana, uh, Hana Isuzu. Loda is you the flower ranger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> who's and that was also like that was a great bit as well. Uh, then the uh, Yukari Akiyama is the loader. The driver is uh, Mako Reze, and the radio officer is Sayori Takebe. Takebe, who is the person who as you previously mentioned, is like always talks about wanting a girlfriend and boyfriend, boyfriend. Sorry. And always goes for like girls problems. Um, and th- like, this is the, this is what was so great about them. Like every one of them had their private little arc. So Saori, she's, uh, or Takabe, I can't remember what they call it. They mostly refer to her as, but like her arc from just like wanting to talk to people, communicating, being like very, uh, extroverted. And then actually sort of, at the end, taking licenses and exams so that she can be an official tank communicator uh, was <laughs> like really wonderful. And likewise, you know, you, you had uh, you had uh, Isuzu, the uh, the flower ranger, and it was a bit cliched how she managed to get Senshido into her flower arrangement. Um, but <laughs> the idea of like uh, Ikehana being very sort of uh, very slight and delicate and intricate and it's not about huge explosions of stuff but about very small like flowers and and just letting one natural branch show the natural beauty of like the plant with its like and then a few small counterparts then the way that that counteracts with like sensodo i thought was really interesting and cool but then 
and then her like flower arrangement just being a big explosive flower which was like okay that, that's cool like, i can get behind that um yeah to convince her mother that that tank driving can be as delicate as flower arranging <laughs> she kind of which, yeah yeah which was interesting like it's it's good like there's a load of great characterization going on in those girls um yeah I just yeah. like the student council tank team. With oh, them. yeah. Thank you. I was going to ask who everyone's favorite tank team is, and it's either the history girls for me, the, like, no. four perma-cosplaying history girls, <laughs> uh, just because they're so... I, I just like Recky Joe. I think they're an interesting thing. But the student council tank team, especially the completely against type... Because we talk about how, like, a lot of things are pretty stereotypical in Girls and Panzer, but I like that the twin, the red-haired, twin-tailed student council president is, like, super lazy, and she's like, oh, yeah, do what you want, and all she does is, like, eat dried yams and and chill out while her uh, two underlings, like, freak out and do all the work. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, is that the Kame team? Um, I can't remember. Um, You'll have to use, like, non-Japanese words. uh, The turtle team. Uh, yes, the hippo team is the uh, is the three like history buffs. And yes, they, they were fun. four history buffs. But yes, yeah, they're buffs. fun. Uh, did you? Is it in the movie or in the fina- or in the finale? Uh, heptology, uh, hexology, I guess, uh, where we discover. Uh, no, it must be in the in the finale. Uh, one of the girls meets someone on the other team who was like a, a friend in elementary school before she was like permanently cosplaying as Julius Caesar <laughs> and like there's like a big like arc if she's like oh well I really value this person's friendship in my past but like I'm Caesar now uh, and she doesn't seem to understand that and there's like an I don't know again I, like weird little arcs that kind of validate the different characters initially what seemed like very tropey identities is something I think Girls and Panzer does very well yeah I don't uh, I don't remember them no, so it must be in the finale, which is going to be done in, like, 2032, so don't liked, worry about it. As far as my, like, the, the best comedy team was probably the duck team, which was the uh, volleyball team. I just really yeah. liked the, <laughs> like the opening joke of them just being like, bring back the volleyball team, written on the side of their tank always made me laugh. But actually, I found the core ang- anglerfish team... I, I found them, like, I really attached to those girls. And I think yeah. talking about what's great about the show... Like, the characterizations of especially the main five are, are really fantastic. And there's some really, like, great laugh-out-loud moments, like when I can't remember which one it is exactly who infiltrates the American team. Yeah, that's uh, Yukari. That's the tank nerd. Oh, right, okay, yeah. Because um, she, she, she gets, like, a convenience store uniform and sneaks aboard during, like, yeah. a... A shipment, a resupply shipment of the American school, which is the rich school, of course, because that's like the American, the joke yeah. of the Americans. Like, There's a lot of them. They're very rich. <laughs> and I like the, and this is the other thing. I really love the American team. I love the, I love the way that they looked. I love their stupid, like, like, even though they're like as bad a cliche as the stuff you get in Hetalia, like, yeah, <laughs> they're a lot of fun as just like Hetalia is a lot of fun. If you, if you don't mind uh, that sort of, I mean, different type of show granted, but. I think I'm obviously biased, but I, I enjoyed the the British team. Just sort <laughs> yes. of like the, after after that first match, them just like we're just going to follow you around and sit and drink tea, and, <laughs> yeah. and that's, that's that's what we do all 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 through this thing. It's it's we just sort of like sit there and go. Um, no no no, wait, watch, watch and wait, wait and watch. You you'll see how it works out. Don't worry. Yeah, the, the way that they always sort of. Um, they always come back like everybody times they somebody says something to them they always come back with like 
a phrase or a saying is such a British thing. Like, <laughs> like you know, uh, it's like the rabbit fucking you can't bring a horse to water something like yeah. that and then it will cut off it's like that's such a British thing the amount of times I don't fucking answer with a genuine feeling <laughs> and just come with like a quippy idiom I'm just like oh that is very British and again yeah. that's what's great I mean I like all, all the teams are very exaggerated though because yeah the Brits all they do is like drink tea and sit around and the Americans like have like 20 tanks in their team and like airdrop in new stuff all the time and the italians like i mean i think isn't it the movie where the uh on the roller coaster italians like yeah well well, the italians like make a bunch of pasta and then miss the final battle or something i forget when where when that happens they like eat a bunch of pasta and then fall asleep because they've eaten so much pasta (laughs) and they miss the final battle uh also the 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 uh, saint gloriana girls college they're all named after (laughs) fucking tea Darjeeling, Assam, Orange, Payoke, Rose Ship. Uh, yeah. Rose I'm glad ship. this speaks to you. This is like when I found out that uh, that uh, ancient Magus Bride really, really spoke to y'all as British. But that, uh, I mean, that's just, I, it's a stupid thing, I guess, that it was fun. The Russian team was also quite amusing, mostly because there's a small girl who constantly walked around with someone's shoulders. Uh, yeah, and apparently has two two of Katsusha. the people like, because apparently Japanese is very hard. Japanese accents are very hard to understand in Russian, and two of the people who are like her underlings are like internationally known for like speaking Russian very well. One of them is I think half Russian, one of them lived there, um, and so that's why like they have them speak a bunch of Russian all the time as a running joke because I think the show's writers are really proud that they have people that can speak actual <laughs> Russian and be intelligible, and then uh, the main the little like commander girl who's the tiny little yellow uh yellow-haired girl she's like stop speaking russian i can't understand it <laughs> it's just like catch uh, you know, I, I like that they are clearly choosing to it's imitate that that land rather than necessarily from it it's, yes. it's like <laughs> we've decided britain is the epitome <laughs> of uh, good grace well, and i just if you're if you're not that if you're not or i it must suck to like unearth your first tank and be like fuck it's a russian tank i guess we're the russian school now <laughs> oh well <sighs> i was hoping to be american <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> like yeah, yeah, it's it's great. It, it, did did you watch the 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 movie, Andy? Well, I haven't watched the movie yet. That's the only thing I've watched. This, this watch. is, isn't really a, a spoiler, but it's the the one of the things which did slightly feel a bit off to me was the Chinese team in the movie, Ben. Yeah. And they're just they're shown as okay. We're completely incompetent, and our our, our, our all we have is lots of bad tanks and we uh, our only strategy is to charge them into the foe regardless of, of what happens and they I mean it's Japan and China like they fucking hate yeah. each other what, what you expect is awful you, you can look at any other representation in Chinese of Chinese people in Japan and it never goes over well like a, so, a selection shitty. well yeah speaking of like the whole like My Hero Academia thing did you hear about that where one of the characters in My Hero Academia is named after oh, like yeah. a, a Japanese war criminal and they had no. to change its name and apologize because yep. no, the Chinese government was... protested. Oh, I didn't yeah, know it was, that. A, it was a big deal like last week. I'll post a link in the, in the, in the yeah, show yeah, notes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this has an Irwin as an Irwin Rommel, which is, yeah. <laughs> which isn't exactly a, a name uh, without bloodshed associated with it, but there you go. Yeah, I mean, the, the, good, the good Nazi is a, is a myth that often has benefited Irwin Rommel, but like Julius Caesar's war to conquer Gaul is oh, responsible yeah. for the death of millions. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Give him I'll, time. I'll laugh and not do what you're chatting about. But 
back to back girls in Tanza. It's good. It's actually good. There's a bar a few caveats. It's enjoyable. There's a lot to watch and like about it. Yeah? No? Yes? No. Yeah, I mean, I, I love it. I'm looking forward to being 48 and seeing and finally con- completing the, <laughs> the six movie uh, Girls in Panzer finale series. Because, like, those are really made. Y'all haven't watched them yet. And I actually don't recommend that you watch them until more are out because they're not, like, standalone movies at all. They're literally just, like, episodes of an anime. Like, yeah. hour long episodes of an anime that air, happen to air in theaters once every three years. So, like,. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine being someone who's not really into the series and following all of the Girls in Panzer movies. They'll probably re-release them so you can watch them serially uh, when the next one comes out. But yeah, for now, they've said that that is going to be the end when when they finish with that, at least in terms of anime. Um, but I think I they're mean, focusing on the Shirobako mo- Shirobako movie now because that's the same the same studio and director. Same and, studio. And that's the yeah. same. Yeah. And director. It's it's great. I mean, it's it's annoyingly, despite our initial complaints, there's a lot of great stuff in the show, and there's a lot to enjoy. So. And it's just really accurate. Like, there's a there was a tweet. I, I don't know if I can find it for the show notes, but there was a tweet of like sketches of girls carrying like heavy like. 88 millimeter shells and like how like they're trying to like accurately show how heavy they are they're not gonna just like fling them into the chamber and they reflect that in the animation of like of like mm. what would it look like for <laughs> for uh i don't know a 16 year old girl to pick up a shell that probably weighs like a quarter of her body weight until you get the weird video gamer girls who just literally like pick up mm. yeah i don't get that joke really it's because they're never in the show so the joke is they're working out whenever they're not in the show so they're all really buff despite all being video game nerds <laughs> and, and weirdly maybe that's a cross cross pollination because like there is apparently a girls and panzer uh, world of tanks cross in so yeah, yeah it was game. it was important for it completely managed it, it was the thing that let girl uh world of tanks penetrate into the japanese market was <laughs> was branding it with girls and panzer shit because i i want to play a video game that's like girls and panzer after watching girls and panzer one doesn't really exist i guess world of tanks is kind of like it no there's not there's there's two girls and panzer games yes least. but they also co they also co-branded with uh oh they, yeah they co-branded yeah. with girls and with world of, world of tanks um, anyway, should we move on to the next thing? Uh, yeah, don't... speaking of other things that we've watched recently. Um, so Andy and I have both seen Makoto Shinkai's newest movie, Weathering With You. Yeah. Uh, do you want to lead off with this too, Andy? So uh, Weathering With You is about two uh, characters, the uh, um, uh, Hodoka Morishima and uh, Amano Hina, um, who are... Uh, who are sort of separated and then, and then one of them is a weather girl uh, the guy uh, Hodaka um, he is trying he's sort of run away from home at the beginning you see him go into Tokyo and um, he tries to find any job he's uh, underage so he can't just get any job because he doesn't have any valid ID and uh, he finds he's also a runaway too so um, oh yeah well you find out that Hina is also a runaway later don't you? You don't yeah. find out straight away. Um, I mean, I feel like it's kind of obvious from how he's ducking cops and doesn't have an ID, but maybe I'm just really, really smart. No, no. Hodoka and Hina are both runaways. They're both runaways and they're both... Bo- mm-hmm. But Hina, at the beginning of the show, at the beginning of the film, when she's introduced, she doesn't give the impression of a runaway. Whilst Hodoka, you, you see him literally on the boat 
to get into um, Tokyo. And then he's trying to survive. He can't. Eventually, this one guy who saves him from this weird, like, rain phenomenon um, gives him a card and says, if you need a job, you can give it, you can come to me, uh, who I believe is uh, Suga or Case. Uh, Keisuke, who um, is a sort of a paranormal writer and writes about all this crazy paranormal stuff. And then they talk about a weather girl, um, a a person who can wish for any type of weather. Uh, And what happens then is, you know, she is uh, Horika meets Hina. Hina is a weather girl who can, as as suggests, she she can wish for rain in this world, uh, wish for sun in the world, which is constantly covered in rain. Yeah, it's been raining for like six months or something. There, ridiculous. Mm, uh, yeah, so and in the middle of summer, it's set. Uh, it's like it should be should be clear skies, but it hasn't. It's been raining for six months, uh, and then through various reasons, you find out that. There's sort of like a weird sacrifice for weather girls. And if in order for the good weather to continue, um, you have to uh, like you have to sacrifice the girl to the clouds and then the nice weather will be happy and the cloud gods or the cloud dragon will be um, will be sat- will be satiated and good weather will happen. And yeah, whatever, have- that eco- whatever that ecology is, it's not completely clear it looks very cool but (laughs) yeah and so you have this again like this duality thing of like weather nature and like people sort of like as well as mythology sort of coexisting what people's beliefs are changing and then also like uh you know the mythology people believe or don't believe and and it's this weird interspersion that just kind of doesn't ever really hit I don't know, like, it's it's fine, it's beautiful, it, it works uh, narratively, but it, it doesn't hit the same sort of strides, I feel, that, mm, like, your name does. I feel that it's... Yeah. It, it is in, it's a great film. It's like, it's, I watched it in the cinema and it was beautiful. Like, there's... Makoto Shinkai has a great direction with rain, especially... Environments in general, I think both visual and auditory he's very good at it yeah but i agree yeah and uh like there's uh there's some really great stuff with just like the amounts of different types of rain that are depicted in that movie is beautiful and amazing and uh you can tell that that's <clears throat> certainly something is a real affiliation for is just drawing different types of rain because he fucking loves it uh you see that in garden of words as well but you in here he just fucking goes whole ham well, he has um, a lot more money this time too <laughs> so um and it, it's fine and you know there's a lot of sort of like conflicting ideals like you have sort of like the mythology thing but then you have and then you have like the supernatural stuff but then you have the realism counteracting it and the way that sort of like you know this this supernatural crazy shit can happen but then also people explain it away in just such real terms which is like global warming or people don't really understand how the weather works like all this kind of stuff that is interesting like but never really goes anywhere like there's a there's another great scene where um the the guy who takes him the guy who takes him in uh suga uh suga takes in hodaka to be a writer and it turns out that his wife is dead and he's got a uh he's got a kid and occasionally he looks after the kid but because I think she's at the kid's asthmatic, she can't look he can't take care of him uh twenty four seven, so only sees him on the weekends. Um and uh there's a great duality where 
when Hodoka loses Hina that you can see that Suga's like trying to hold Hodoka back saying no she's gone she's dead you'll never meet her again but he's like no I can and there's a great scene well what could have been a great scene where he where Suga was like well this person believes he can see the person he's lost like my wife and I can't see her again but he can maybe see Hina again so he like lets her lets him go and lets him discover it but even then it doesn't really feel like it's landing it feels like there's constant duality that never really hits any stride or it hits any mark particularly well I don't know yeah, I so my opinion is that Makoto Shinkai excels at telling stories about the the cost of hard decision, especially especially the emotional cost, and especially how those costs affect interpersonal relationships. And I mean, I think a lot of what his earlier movies are focused on is the road less traveled, all the possibilities in life that we shut off by choosing. A, a different choice than what we made um, and I think that's honestly what makes your name so good is because it's literally using the time the uh, the body switch slash time travel gimmick um, to show how like two people are greater than one when they're together um, that you know empathy and listening to other people communication are are the greatest powers that humanity has and so kind of like looking at the cost of decisions makes sense with weathering with you because literally spoilers at the end he chooses to save the girl instead of stop the rain and he reflects that like he thinks this is the right decision um and that for better or for worse his decision changed the world um and i just it doesn't land great for me in an era of climate change uh to be like you know what maybe you can't stop climate change just find someone to love instead like i get that and i get that Makita Shinkai has said that he thinks that he that the protagonist makes the wrong decision in interviews um, and I think that he's also said that he's tired of making sad stories, stories of sacrifice and regret I think that he wants to make things that have like happier endings and I just don't think he's as good at it I don't connect to these characters as well which is bizarre because we spend so much time with them, so much time living daily life, doing this small business hustle, being homeless in Tokyo, these sort of things. But I don't really get a great vision for why they want what they want. I think I've already complained to y'all, not on the podcast, about how one of the characters ran away from home because he hates his parents and it never goes deeper than that. People are like, why'd you run away from home? He's like, I hate my parents. And they're like, okay, fair. And it's just like, is that supposed to like make me sympathize with a, what are a series of without context bad decisions? Uh, and so yeah, it was very weird to watch this and to enjoy the the moment moment character interactions. I I think that their the love story of the two protagonists is cute and funny and kind hearted mm. without being like anime's weird over chasteness that I think we're we're all very tired of. Um, and I think that a lot of the supporting characters like the newspaper guy or like super player, uh, uh, grade school kid who's, yeah. uh, the female protagonist's, uh, sibling, um, who just is like playing two girls at one point. He like brings them both in to help him. And they like, no, we find that they know that each other exist and they kind of hate uh, each other. They, they like him more. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. They call, he calls him Nagi senpai because, uh, obviously he's got much better game. But like I like all, I like all the characters, but I just I don't feel like I know them or care about them enough that I am convinced 
that the correct answer or even the interesting answer is to let the world drown uh, rather than give up a single person who's important to you. Because I think that's I don't know. It doesn't land with me. It reminds me of. um, Did you watch Children Who Chase Lost Voices from Deep Below? No, I'm that all, that one that's basically him trying to do castle in the sky it was literally it's just castle in the sky but like made by makoto shinkai and that also had like you know what fuck giving up people fuck having to lose people and i just don't i don't you have to really sell me on the characters and their relationships for like i will keep this person in my life even if there's a catastrophic catastrophic cost um and maybe that's also hurt by the fact that i was like watching the last few episodes of BoJack Horseman, which has the message that, like, yeah, you have to give up, give up people sometime. Keeping everyone in your life is, is selfish and damaging. And I feel like that you have to have an exceptional reason to, to subvert that logic. And I don't think that Weathering With You does. I think I... it's a, a very beautiful movie that doesn't really doesn't really care about the consequences like it, like it pretends it does. Yeah, I mean, personally, I quite liked the... Um sort of like duality of like this sort of mythicism and sort of uh like the what was the supernatural thing of her being a weather girl yeah that was interesting like uh, wishing upon the sun but she clearly has that ability but then the ending which was just like well you know it could be that you you saved her and that's why it's constantly raining or it could be global warming and it's like you know you you try and you you try and do the best thing for yourself at that time. And personally that sort of struck a note of just sort of like, you've got the supernatural reason, but then you've got the realistic reason and people will always gravitate towards the realistic reason, which is global warming. And, uh, you know, I, I found that kind of an interesting, um, sort of lesson, I guess. And then also, I, yeah, I just like, don't know. Also I don't like, know if it's a lesson that people could, should listen to is my problem. <laughs> like, are we, are we educated or like enriched by by seeing someone be like, you know what? Fuck it. Fuck the. I don't know. Sorry. Keep going. I mean, I guess fuck the world in general. Um, but I think <laughs> I think the the main thing was that like you don't know whether the, her being saved or her being sacrificed <clears throat> would have truly stopped the rain. Uh, and it would it, would it really have stopped global warming or would it really have stopped any of the destruction that was going on? I think the argument was, yes, it, it would have just stopped it for maybe like 10 years, 20 years, whatever. But that destruction is still going to happen. Tokyo is still built on a bay. It's still reclaimed land. It, it's it's going to be destroyed anyway. So yeah, that's true. Do it for the strongest thing ever, like strongest force ever, which is love. Do it which for is a crush on a girl that you've known for three months. I <laughs> yeah, but it was more than a crush by that point. Yeah, and, no, uh, I, I I like it. I just I didn't I I just didn't buy the characters' relationship to each other. I found it cute, but like I don't know. I bought the character relation, and I just I just thought that there was a lot more there that could have been delved upon, and then could have been sort of um, <clears throat> especially the uh, especially the. The writer, uh, Suga, I felt that there was a lot there because, you know, she he had lost someone and he had accepted that loss. and But that loss was a real loss. That was actual death. That was actual somebody dying. And, you know, he I felt that there was a real lost moment in like him accepting loss and him having lived with that loss. Whilst you have the main character, um, Morishima, who he had just experienced loss. 
and not wanting to let go of that person that he'd just lost. Like, there's an interesting duality in there. There's an interesting sort of, like, character, like, like, t- like you know, character act, something going on there that I just felt was completely missed. And I felt that that could have been dealt upon a lot. Like, like that could have been an interesting road to go down, but they never really bothered to explore that. Instead, it was... Yeah. Like him going, I, you, you. He started crying, and then he was like, "You go, you go, fucking yeah. get her." Yeah, I think there's a, a a level of emotional intimacy that's just kind of missing from this story because it's so it's yeah. so big and has so many different phases, and Scott. Mm being homeless and it's got two different like part-time job story arcs and then he goes home yeah all that stuff um yeah i feel like it's it's a bit overstuffed and like it doesn't have like the silences and the introspection of like garden of words or five centimeters a second because he's not trying to tell that kind of story granted but i still think that he's better at telling like an interior a quiet interior story not the story of of stop the reins or save the girl damn the man save the empire that sort of thing uh, i also just feel that it's the curse of of being the film after your name right? yeah i mean it was never going to be as good as your name no. unfortunately like let's be real but what is... that was partly going to be my question do you two feel like this some of this film's creative decisions were made in direct opposition to uh, creative decisions he made on your name it's like oh I did this there so I'll do the opposite here um at least for me I think only in the broadest sense I think he was trying to do his own thing I think that whenever whenever Shinkai gets ambitious he makes these kind of like overstuffed and unfocused things I think this has a lot in common with Children Chase Lost Voices and I don't know. It's getting great reviews, like the Anime News Network review, even though it had a lot of negative things to say, and it was still like fairly positive at the end um, about it being just like another great thing from the Your Name guy. I don't know. I mean, it, it's uh, it, I guess it's he's kind of cursed in that it's getting like it was on BBC News, like it's on. It's a big name thing that is that is hitting like especially well in England at least like national newspapers and national press. Yeah, same like, here. Same here. Like it's a it's an anime film that you just wouldn't get this much attention, and so I think he's maybe kind of has that sort of weight and curse sort of like on him, saying thinking that he has to make something that is maybe a bit more based and a bit more sort of grandiose to to you know after your name and I, I think that's fine I, I think like what he did was a great film and I think that just on the pure level of it's an anime film that's got an international acknowledge, like acknowledgement that isn't a Ghibli film is great uh, and I feel that maybe he's getting that sort of weight and that um, pressure put upon him that he has to make the next big thing again I don't know um, I mean after he made Children Who Chase Lost Voices he pulled back and made Garden of Words which is one of his best movies so Maybe this is, he's just, as he's gotten to this, like, international fame, he's just going to have these boom and busts, have his, like, have his, like, good movie, and then his, like, big, overambitious movie in one after one after the other. Yeah, and it feels like it is certainly, maybe just from, like, a visual aspect, it's one of his favorite things to do, which was draw rain. And, like, that in and of itself is worth watching, because... Yeah. <clears throat> no, it's a beautiful, I mean, all of his stuff is beautiful, even... Yeah. Even Children Chase Lost Voices, which is by far his his worst one, or even uh, Voices from a Distant Star, which is made by him on his Mac G4, uh, with him and his wife doing the voice work, uh, is still like 
like he just he has an eye for these like really small details yeah um and he just loves to watch like it kind of when we were talking about girls and pants are just like liking you to watch machines work and how like the parts shift and stuff i feel like he's like that about but about like cityscapes where he just likes to like buildings fitting each other in cars and mm, mm. stores next to stores and how like light can cast across the street and how light uh, reflects in shadows in like, yeah. buildings and stuff and yeah and um <clears throat> i mean my my main pull of uh sort of like garden of words is is the rain like is the sort of the drops in a in a uh half filled like plant pot of soil and then there's that that beautiful like water like top set layer of water and it dripping and then it like mm-hmm. changing in that dripping depending on how fierce the rain is and again similar shit in like uh weathering with you like the the final scene is still raining but it's sunny but it's raining but it's a light smattering of rain that looks really beautiful and uh it's like stuff like that i i think it's great yeah no i agree i um, I liked it. I wish it was more. I think is my upshot. But I also feel that no matter what he made after your name, it wouldn't have been as good. Yeah, but that. But we shouldn't give away to fatalism. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, no, right. There are some directors who move from strength to strength, and with that, we will transition to our talk of the beginning of the winter anime season. And speaking of strength to strength directors, how about uh, Yuasa's Keep Your Hands Off Azoken? Oh, incredible. Uh, I really love this anime. I'm not going to talk for a bit because I need to have some water. So someone else talk about that show because they've all watched it. <laughs> all yeah, Duncan, why don't you fill us in because you've, you, you've been kind of drowned out the past few <laughs> discussion topics. Well, in a weird way, it's got more of a link to uh, Girls and Panzer than it does uh, Weathering With You because it's its closest relative is probably Shirabako. Uh, mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. If you're, not, if you're uh, in any way a anime nerd, it's kind of the behind-the-curtain look into the way the industry goes that Shirabako provides, but with a magical realism uh, overlay of, like, imagination manifesting in the real world. And it's... I don't know. It's it's just very much, I think, a labour of love for an audience that love what what it is um a a love letter to it's it's like it it very much works on the assumption that you love animation and just as much as it loves animation and i think we're very much right right its audience yeah i feel like it if shirabako covers the like production challenges of anime i think that uh Isaacin covers the creative challenges. It's very much about showing how people come up with mm. like creative ideas, not just for what's being shown, but how it's they're going to show it. And I know that I'd complained to y'all earlier that I felt like they didn't have any real challenges, but I liked episode four when they were trying to like crunch to finish this this demo reel for the student council, which briefly veered into pretty. This is a pretty realistic school setting, um, except for, like, the structure of the teacher's lounge was, like, a huge two-floor thing. Um, but it was a fairly realistic depiction. And then we get to the student council uh, budget approval committee, and there's, like, riot gear policemen holding back rioting students with uh, with riot poles uh, while, they, while they made their presentation. <laughs> but I like that they had to, like, 
make a lot of compromises to get the film done in time. And then everyone thought it looked great. But of course, all they could see is all the things they compromised on. And that kind of won me back over after I was like, oh, they found a complete set of modern, in good condition animation equipment in a shed. Oh, this is just going to be one of those shows where it's just a complete wish fulfillment. But no, I think it's actually kind of regrounded itself. And there's a distinction between its silliness and its lack of interest in certain problems, but it still wants to challenge its characters. So I've really, I've really enjoyed it. I think all the characters are interesting and they make a really good tripartite trio. And, mm. uh, uh, the like personality test of like, are you a, a Kanamori, a <laughs> uh, Mizusaki or a uh, Asakusa? Like it's a very, it's very funny. Are you, are you the, the nerd, the dreamer or the, or the, you know, dollars the, and cents person. Money <laughs> yeah. <of> a person. <clears throat> yeah. So yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I think it's probably my favorite. Yuasa, which was, is, has been a nice thing to discover because my favorite Yuasa previously was the night of short walk on girl. So we are really, I'm really getting ping ponged, uh, between which is good also shit. Great Yuasa was that a, a pun then? <laughs> uh, um, I'm, I will never give up my secrets, Duncan. Uh, I yeah, Damn I me. I really love the um, the the thing is that even if you're not interested in maybe the way that they create anime and the animation, like their enthusiasm, you get really caught up with, and it does a really beautiful job of of just showing how simple the creation process can even be. It's just like the way that they just stick a piece of paper on a, on a window and then they draw on that and then they stick another piece of paper and they draw on that. I find that really infectious and really fun mm-hmm. and really like just makes you love these characters even more. Um, I really, I really, really like the world is insane and beautiful. Like you mentioned the school lounge, but what you didn't mention was the fact that that school looks like it's in a giant swimming pool that's been emptied um <laughs> whilst you are right in that the wish fulfillment of them finding some pretty out of date technology uh like animation studio technology stuff um is coincidental at best like they're still in a building which is falling apart and that they have to spend money on like just basic materials in order for them to fix it themselves uh I think there's also like the way that it cuts. So when it's like real life, it's so the, I think think we've really talked about what this anime is about, which is basically three a bunch of kids make an anime club and make an anime done. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) It's great. Um, And uh, the, uh, like the way that, but the way that they cut from real world to this fantasy world where they, like their imagination land is really beautiful. It's gone from like real hard colors and real solid lines to then, this sketchy half-colored watercolor painted look mm. is really beautiful, uh, and it it really every time every time it cuts scene and it's it's that watercolor color sketched out look. I just get excited because I'm like, how the fuck are they? What are they going to pull out the bag next? And that sort of like level of realism and and some of the stuff where that they're, they're like the first episode has them like in a flying machine and then they're flying through this fictional world and then they're like, oh, but but this, but this machine's like, where's the door? Oh, the door's at the back, and and there's weighted. So when you go out the back, but you're flying, you actually like rotate like ninety degrees, and you know where's the landing gear and all this kind of stuff is this sort of really well mm. thought out um, characterization and design 
that is what I feel really appeals to a lot of people with anime. I feel that a lot of Western cartoons just sort of like revels in that flight of fancy and that surrealism, but it doesn't, they don't care how the potential realistic, like the potential like aesthetics of a thing work. They just think, Oh, it's just bullshit. Cause it's a cartoon. No one cares. Whilst this, it shows that people care. And I know that's not true in all of the cases because Duncan's giving me funny looks, but <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I do think that is maybe true for a lot of it. And I think that mm. that sort of level of care is maybe what gets people really into anime, especially like for me, shonen anime, like them bothering, even if it's like bullshit reasons that they are fucking devil fruit and they can't swim now. At least they've given you that reason as opposed to, oh, I can just do it. You know, it's that sort of fun like layer that I find really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and How about yeah. you, Duncan? How, what do you think about about Isakin? I mean, I think uh, Andy made a good point in talking about how they do the style transition from real to imagined world, and that the 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 fact that they go to this sketched version is just a, a very easy, obvious choice in in ways. Like it's it's one of those things where you're like, oh, of course, that the that imagination is this incomplete yet boundless style and it fits it so well it just seems obvious and like i that feels but i don't know whether it's it's a master stroke or not because i think like there's a tendency when when you do something which is it depicts the imagination like um for instance, uh, flip flappers a couple of years ago, there's <laughs> a tendency to make these imagined worlds uh, incredibly colourful and uh, detailed and fantastical, whereas the thing which defines the imaginary worlds in uh, Isaacan is very much that they're um, constantly being constructed and refined and changed yeah. With this sketchy style, that something will morph however they need it. Like I enjoyed, like the there was. A, I'm not sure if it was in the second or th- or fourth episode, but they have this shot where they are on riding through the world on a camera tripod, and that they're, they're riding the camera like a vehicle. That's the fourth one, yeah, and and they're mm. just. And like they're showing the shots by by showing how the ca- camera turns and the way that the different shots are composed and how you can change that use that to change um, things and save money and stuff. And I thought it was just like a, a really fun way of showing how necessity can be the mother of invention. Like mm-hmm. I think like some of your stuff you said. Uh, Ben is, is is correct. Like, if they'd just been handed everything, like if, if like, oh, so, uh, the, the, we've we've recruited the rich girl. Of course, she'll just buy everything we need. That that could have been a bad way. This could have gone. But as yeah. it is, is she's like completely clueless about her money and doesn't seem to be able to leverage it in any way, shape, or form. And so instead, mm-hmm. they're resorting to selling clips of of someone to a gag show when she falls off her balcony, and like. It's ramshackle and uh, sort of glories in that. Yeah, and what they do and what they do get handed doesn't actually make anything easier. They get all that equipment and they still have to make compromises 
albeit largely because uh, the two animators are incredible perfectionists. Uh, but that's also something that artists usually need to work really hard to get past. Mm-hmm. Because when you're not accountable to anybody, you can work on something forever and it can always be improved. There's no great works are never completed, only abandoned, I think is the saying. Uh, but it's nice here to like have the one uh, like serious character who's instantly also like the best character, Kanamori for life. Uh, best oh, girl. Uh, of course, you like the, the the weird like nerd one, Andy. <laughs> I love it. But uh, but uh, but yeah, like it is nice to have a character there who's who is literally mostly just exists to like tell the two dreamers like no, we have to like when she compares the cuts like here's two normal cuts, here's yours cuts which are thirty times as as big and it's just like this massive stack of animation cells. Um, and they're like shocked, but then they immediately go back to like, well, we have to do it that way. And she's like, no, you don't. So it's yeah. nice to have, to have them have to make sacrifices, even if they do get handed everything, which takes away the criticism. I never got a chance to fo- voice in this podcast. It does seem like they are given a lot of easy breaks, but even then, even if you get everything you want, anime still is not easy to make, which I think is a valuable thing to say. Mm. It's interesting that it's an adaptation of a manga because if you didn't know that, I don't think you'd ever figure it out. You'd assume it was a work by an animator about animation. Instead, yeah. it's mm. a, a manga drawn by someone who, as far as I'm aware, is unless it, it could well be a non-diploma of, of someone mm-hmm. who is an animator, but as far as I'm aware, they're not um, an industry person doing Sumito this doing a moonlighting as a manga car. It's just a someone who loves animation from... A fan's perspective writing a show about uh, an anime club and then it's got picked up by uh, uh, some this true author director i think <laughs> yeah and he's he's almost took it as an opportunity to go okay yeah yeah this is this is very much what it this is my experience and i will that use this framework to tell the story of making Isaacen in Isaacen. It's, yeah. it's like it's a show which, which tells you exactly what's going on as it's going on, which is strange and remarkable and fascinating. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I would also, uh, yeah. And whew, it's, it is excellent. I'd also just want to like, comment on the opening which i think has gotten a lot of traction online because it's fantastic (laughs) but that in and of itself is again like you can draw parallels to the show where it's like it's cheap but it's really fucking good it it's like three or four cuts sped up and then it's another cut of cg of words and then like the same like 50 odd like emoji characters spinning around and flying towards the screen. It's really cheaply made, but yet somehow it's the best opening that I've seen in a long while. People uh, love those girls dancing. Any any anime anime OP that has girls dancing <laughs> is always like one of the one of the more popular anime of the it's like when people went wild for uh for a girls last tour with them dabbing and the OP and everyone's like, Oh my god, the dab so. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't know. It, I really loved. Uh, I really that opening is fantastic, uh, as well as it's been a quite a good song by Clemico. Um, it is a good song. Easy breezy. Uh, yeah, 
It's good. Uh, I yeah, I, I guess we all adore this anime. And also looking at the manga style, uh, it's very Yuasa esque anyway. So I couldn't imagine anyone else doing it. Yeah, uh, I love this show a lot, and I'm excited to see how it continues. And I hope we don't come back in about five episodes' time saying that it's terrible. Oh um, no, I don't think this will be a soccer request. I hope not, at least. No, I'll be really. <laughs> I. I mean, U.S. has been old, like, is an old hand at this, and it's twelve episodes, so it will be, uh, it will be shocking if he manages to ruin it because uh, it seems like it's right down the street, and it seems really good. <clears throat> so yeah, yeah. Well, next, let's go ahead and move on to something that both Duncan and I are watching. Um, <laughs> we've continued our folly of uh, exploring the broader. Uh, a certain magical index universe by watching the third season of a certain scientific railgun, a certain scientific railgun T. Duncan, you, I did not feel good own, about this. You've only got yourself to blame. I don't know why you fucking. <laughs> I, I okay. I was worried at first, but I actually I've liked the past like couple episodes. Yeah, it might might be the fabled good railgun season. Which well, is, we already have we have the first one, but the second one was not. Know, but that's so. what I mean. It's like we, we've we've been chasing that 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 dream for uh, a couple of of spin-offs and main series, and maybe we're back to it. Maybe we they've actually realised that the the key to a good railgun thing is just have your cast give them moments to shine and use their yeah. powers interestingly and then you actually get a very watchable show yeah if you have a girl's like kind of like mystery comedy adventure show that takes place at a school for the psychically the psychically talented it's very important to have a large ensemble cast that all uh, has cool powers that they get to show off. And for some reason, like last season, uh, Railgun S, I think, was really bad about just not showing cool people doing cool things, except for Satin with a bat fighting a mech, uh, which was rad, but only, a, unfortunately, like two minutes out of a fairly sloggy 26 episodes. I think last last season, one of the things they were trying to do was like, tease us with the idea that maybe Urihara or Satan has a power that they haven't yet manifested like that's past yeah. the plot they were going through and so they focus more on these ordinary students instead of the the super powered ones and, yeah. which is not to say like I like Satan and Urihara I think they actually have a they have better chemistry than say uh, uh, Misaki and uh, and Kuroko, who unfortunately they're they're back on their bullshit with the weird like lesbian masher rapey shit that Kuroko does to to Misaka. But, but she has the best voice, so we forgive her. Yeah, she does. Ha- she does have a very good seiyu, and she does like make make lustful noises very plausibly. <laughs> I guess would be my, my way of describing it. Uh, but but yeah, I like I like Satin, I like Uiharu, but also like having. So what happened is there's like this big, this big uh, field day sports event for all the school girl schools in uh, Academy City, which is the city where all these uh, these psychic people go to get training. Um, And they're like the first two episodes are just completely taken up with who's like the most powerful person to come to the event and how these events go down when you have all these people with like, you know, super psychic powers. Uh, but then one of the sisters, one of Misaka's clones gets kidnapped and there, it becomes kind of like a mystery where there's someone who can do brainwashing, pulling the strings. And there's also this mysterious guy who has 
the fucking Ibo dogs, except they're like attack dog sized and sends them against people. And yeah, the like haughty uh, Ojo Sama, oh ho 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 ho, it like gets two episodes where she gets to kind of like be a badass. Like her special powers, like she can make wind, she can make like wind blow from stuff, but she gets like a decent fight and has like a heroic moment. And it's, I don't know, like if, if it's a show of that, of having these characters step in um, to like back up the, the main four characters of Satin, Uiharu, uh, Kuroko, and Misaka. Like, that's what I want. That's what the first season was. It was great. I don't know if Toma shows up. Duncan, yeah. if, Toma fu- if Toma fucking shows up, I this will be my first anime I drop because I cannot. Why they keep sticking this guy in these fucking shows? He's the worst character. He shows up in the OP for a disturbing amount of time, like I'm, 10 seconds. I don't know why you're surprised if he does. They have introduced the character who is basically a almost parody of him that that's (laughs) one of the what they they have a a guy who's all about like guts and never backing down and whatever his 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 psychic power is just the foundational um conceit of uh the railgun slash index franchise is that psychic powers uh manifest as what they call a personal reality so it's basically the way your your personality shapes these things so oh, oh like misaka is like spiky and uh irritable and so she gets electroshocks and gets called beery beery and uh-huh. this this new guy is basically all effort and guts and standing with arms crossed just in front of explosions so his with powers, a coat over his shoulders and a headband yeah. like very so, <laughs> yeah, and and his powers are just basically like being, being just like s- seem to be almost like smoke fireworks and stuff. And it's it's yeah, I couldn't really figure out what his powers were. I was hoping you could tell me. I was staying very quiet. No, it, it just seemed, it seemed almost like he he it's it's strength, but combined with um like showmanship in a weird way. It's like everything he does has to be be look incredibly over the top and and like colorful and dumb and it's like but we we we've hurt ourselves before duncan thinking that railgun slash index slash accelerator is going to make fun of toma but actually it's always it always thinks toma's cool like we got burned mm, at the true. end of the third season of of index with thinking that it was gonna like make fun of his like try hard bullshit but instead it vindicated it i don't think it's gonna happen here because the show's kind of still caught in the reality that like Toma's not really around very much when we don't when when it's not the index episodes. But I, I hope to God because yeah, I I like where this is going. I like that there's like a weird conspiracy to like kidnap Misaka's clones to like do nefarious things. Granted, that is still the plot of the first season <laughs> and the second season really too. But if they use it to like bring up. Like the uh, the Ohoho girl Kondos, her two underlings showed up when she was about to get beaten, and one of them controls water, and the other I can't remember what she does. But they get they're going to get to have a fight beginning of the next episode, and that'll be like three good episodes in a row, which is better than Index ever managed. Yeah, so I, I do think it has more self awareness than Index does, because like you have um, uh, the uh, mind control student and the there are two uh, separate mind control students, just fucking wild too. <laughs> there's 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 pink-haired mind control lady, and there's remote blonde remote control mind control lady, right? Okay. Blonde <laughs> remote control or uh, mind control lady is doing the va- is one of the two what level fives, which is like the yes. highest level of 
of Esper picked it to do the valid, sort of valedictorian speeches to, to to start the games, and she's there giving a very dignified speech, and then the other guy just just starts going and guts. And effort, and effort, and guts, and the guts, and effort. And he, he just completely he ruins it and talks over her, and she's just like, oh, fuck's sake, what an idiot. And I, I loved, like, like that on-screen acknowledgement of that, uh, of, of, of just what an idiot he is, and, like... Yes. But yeah, but the, the thing is, do they know they're making fun of themselves? Or they think they're making fun of some other dumb anime. Is my con- constant concern with the okay, index yeah, people. Yeah, that, that could be a concern. They may think they're um, making fun of another show where, like, they might, yeah, where they're thinking, making fun of a guy who just talks about guts and mm. never backs down yeah. and always be fighting for your friends and hope, love. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm, uh, one Nakama. of the things which has made me ho- hopeful is, is one of the things is that uh, the, the Masaka's clones, uh, referred to as the sisters, mm-hmm. um, have always cropped up, and oh, and the 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 one trick joke has always been, oh, it's it's they do something which it could be, and they're mistaken for Masaka doing it, and they do that, but then suddenly it's ignored, or a character goes, oh. That wasn't you doing that. I know. I can tell the difference, and that, that oh, wasn't that was so you. Good. And I was that like, was Kondo she, again. She was. She was like, "Of course, I can tell the difference." But that was obviously not you. Which is funny because, like, the the clones act completely different from Misaka, but people never seem to notice that they speak in the third person or like weirdly like quiet and affectless. But this one character just being like, "Oh yeah, of course I noticed." Yeah, you're right. That's a good point, Duncan. And <laughs> like that, that that does seem encouraging to me. And and the fact that she's she's getting like. They've focused on one particular uh, uh, clone, and they've given her a bit more agency and uh, uh, shown off her particular fighting skills separately. And like, given her, uh, given her advance, and had Misaka say to her, "Yeah, I'm probably more powerful than you, but in that particular situation where I wasn't able to use my powers, you did better than." Than I would have, and, and right because like, she's she's the, the specific thing she says were they're like oh we can't touch you she's like uh, I have the memory of ten thousand clones trying not to be touched because we were fighting a guy who if we if he touched us we'd die so she like it is like special like she has her own special power even though she's a clone of of a more powerful woman mm. yeah and that's yeah really and as you say that's that's acknowledging what the clone's special power is, is rather than. Oh, you're you're just a Masaka clone, and so you'll do slightly bullshit electric stuff, but not quite as as uh, not as quite as dramatically. And so, yeah, it was, it was just really good saying, right, that's that's what makes this particular person special, and letting her showcase it. And as long as it keeps keeps doing that, this is what makes them special. Let them showcase it, then yeah. I'll have a good time. Yeah, I really. I really, I, I was not similar to me having mixed feelings about the execution of Isaacin. Although, I, I mean, I love Isaacin, even if it was just complete wish fulfillment. I don't think I'd hate it that much. But with this, I was just dreading another twenty six episodes that don't really pull it off. And maybe they won't. But do we know if it's, it's thirteen or twenty six? I think it's twenty six. Oh, it's only twelve. Isaacin's twelve episodes. Isaacin's twelve episodes. I think mm-hmm. that Railgun T is is twenty six. I don't know how. I don't know who. They bribe to get these two core anime in an age where like two core anime don't really happen anymore. It's twenty five. Ep- it's twenty five episodes. Yeah, well, it's got clout. 
It's, it's a very long running series, right? So I guess it's not that hard. It's easier for longer running series, for my Yeah, which is ridiculous. I do know that the biggest stream anime streaming service in China is called Biri Biri and run by a... Uh, uh, Misako super fan, so that probably means they can get <laughs> yeah, whatever they, they to, want green lights. Well, they had to. There was like a court thing where they had. I have to look up this link for. God, I'm giving myself so much work to do after this podcast. Uh, <laughs> no, I have a link for because uh, yeah, there was like a court case because they tried to be like, hey, uh, that's not that that that's like a trademark thing. Is like Misako's like sparking sound, um, but apparently they they managed to work something out. So yeah. Weird that that that. Weird. <laughs> I, I my my I'm gonna make a very educated guess that to, is it Toma the main guy who died. Yeah, Toma. Yeah, for me he's, he's he's coming back. He's coming back. If not by the end of the second quarter, definitely. You're gonna you're gonna predict. I predict he's coming back. He's gonna come back either at the end of the series two core or the middle of it. That's my prediction. He's coming back. See, I mean, mostly just shows up and, and Misaka is like, because she's in the spinoff, she's like got super wet panties for him. Um, so she'll just be like, oh, man. But hopefully it doesn't it doesn't come back more than just her being like, oh, man, that Toma guy. I love him and also hate him. So we'll see. I I, I bet you he's, he's got he's, he's going to come back. He's going to come back. And, and you know what's more annoying, Ben, is that all the fans will love it. I'd be like, yes, he's finally back. Fucking A. If people then, think that Toma like stands in for them, like, oh, he's so normal that he's like a superhero. Fuck that. Uh, he's just, the worst. Yeah, people, there, there is probably a unit, and I hate this word, of incels who will totally relate to Toma and be like, fucking hell, I love being so normal. Normal is life. Normal is love. Except he's blatantly not normal in any way. <laughs> he's got he's got the magic cancelling hand that he's can't the, be stopped. A, he's a potato kun to end all potato kuns. Yes, no, he's he's the most special, completely normal guy in the world, and it's awful. <laughs> yeah, and he's and people are going to be thrilled that he's back when he comes back. I bet you. I put money on it. I don't want your money, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to just finally drop an anime. <laughs> oh no! It was for the. Uh, it was for the. Uh, it was for the. There was a team, an Overwatch team that was also named Beely Beely, and yeah, that had a owned lawsuit by, owned by the uh, same owner. Yeah, they they couldn't. They had to change it somewhat for yeah, that. They they had basically her her finger pointing in thing as their logo. Which... Oh, that was uh, that was a level too far, was it? That was sort of too much of an association. Yeah, you can't you can't steal the, the fucking likeness of their character. Uh, okay. Well, speaking of like weirdly like trope aware characters saving a show that was looking to be mediocre, uh, I watched the Show by Rock spinoff, uh, which is called Show by Rock Mashumairesh. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you knocked that out of the park. My, well, it's not Japanese. It's like Mashumairesh. Uh, so this girl. Oh, really? It takes place. It takes place in the Not same setting as the original show by Rock. Yeah, this girl comes from the country to become a rock star. She loses her her invitation to audition, and so can't audition. But then she joins up with a band on the street, and that's it. That's the show. Like it's been it's been five episodes. We haven't gotten any farther. They've met like a rival band of like cool rich girls in like electronic armor. But the actual thing that saved it uh, is that the joke band is. Uh, is 
So there were four four troubled schools with like real bad discipline problems that got combined into one big school. Um, no. That were the all the four kings of each school. The, each cool school had one king, so there's four kings. Um, so, are forced so to communities. Right. Okay. Yeah. They're like, like, like yakuza, like Yankee so sort of guys. Schools thinking Cromarty High School. Right. Yes. Yes. Right. Okay. And they get all put together, and they have to do community service. Which, because this is a, a midi city, the city of music, that means they have to form a band and play shows. Uh, are, they, and, are these all chibi people? Like you know the weird no, they're chibi they're ones big. Are... They're like normal oh, size, like cat guys. They've got um, budget. Yeah. No, well, I mean, they, there is a lot more chibi stuff than before. But, like, the fact is they're all such, like, dumb, over-the-top parodies of, of uh, like, delinquents from anime. Like, uh, one of them's, like, a huge mama's boy, and, like, they managed to threaten him by, like, getting one of his mom's bento boxes. And he's like, please don't do it. I'll do anything. And, like, we're going to drop this box on the floor. And he's like, no, no, please don't. Uh, and, there's, <laughs> and there's one guy who's, like really sick all the time like everyone that's like spells out their name is like first grade or like like first grade high school blah 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 and like with him it's like blah 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 sixth grade because he's had to repeat so many times because he's missed so much school from being sick <laughs> um and he like pops pill like pops like his like heart pills before fighting and at one point he like punches a guy and then the guy barfs blood and he also barfs blood from his heart condition that shit's funny uh there's one guy who who really wants to be everyone's friend, but his only move is headbutting people. Like that's all he can do is just headbutt people. And so there's a fight, and it's just like always in the background, just him like flying across the screen to headbutt somebody. But uh, it's not and, a fighting anime. No, but they're like they get in fights with like the, with like the thugs on the streets, uh, and they keep they keep getting thrown out of their studio because they keep starting fights with each other and with other people <laughs> in the studio. Uh, and there's one. The last guy is the guy who gets really high grades and is actually a very accomplished student, and in fact he beats people up to like lower their grade point average and move up in the rankings. And there's a running joke where everyone's kind of scared of him because he fights really dirty where they're like, Oh man, you fought off six guys. How'd you do it? He's like, I had a, I had a bag of sand in my pocket and just shows him like throwing <laughs> sand all their eyes. And they're like, Oh man, he's actually kind of an asshole. And then, um, later on like they come back for revenge the other thugs and they like try to punch him and he like blocks with his bag and the guy's like hand breaks and they're, and, and they're like oh man he's like I had a I had a plate of steel in my bag and they're like oh that's that's kind of cheating <laughs> so <laughs> this means he's uh, carrying a bag with a plate of steel in it well yeah it's just, like, well, that's, he's like really smart so he's always prepared but it's always it, he uses that smartness just to like cheat relentlessly and use really cheap tactics uh, so yeah that band is funny just like with show by rock the like the three salary the four salarymen uh, in Shingen Crimson's um, yeah, I think they're like yeah. it's like Dofulo Finger is like the name of the band for like the, the four delinquents but I finally I was worried that this was going to be even more boring than Railgun but just like having the delinquent band and they're all just like hilarious parodies of delinquents um and they all like try to be friends but they're like you know anytime someone says they're like ah what'd you say the whole like step up on the on the table with one leg and be like well, yeah it's i don't know i don't know why i like show by rock i feel like no i don't know why you like it I think it's I think it's funny. Like I think that like a lot of time it takes the piss. I think Sanrio stuff is often more willing to take the piss out of its own concepts um, in a way that we would hope that say Railgun would take the piss out of its own concepts more. Um, so I do enjoy just like 
having the other band, having one band be like, oh, friendship and love. And there's a, a mint, a mint dragon girl who can shoot laser beams. And she's always, want, always wanted to be normal. And there's a wolf girl who's wanted to be able to like transform with the moonlight. And she wants to be special and friendship. And then like the, the like the B plot band is always just some like group of asshole dudes who don't seem to like, like each other very much or get along. I don't know. It's funny. Um, I like that humor. It reminds me a lot of like the better humor in Agretzko where it kind of goes over the top, except show by rock is mm. constantly over the top. It lives on the top. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's maybe why I didn't enjoy it as much because it, it, it just never, it seemed to plateau at that and then never really get yeah. any co- co- cooling off state. I'm, actually, that's not true. I just think maybe the comedy didn't land all the time with me. Uh, and then also, Maybe I had higher expectations of it than I really should have. Yeah, um, well, that, well, speaking of things where Ben continually talks them up, I just thought you'd like it, and then you took like two years to watch it as I periodically asked you if you were watching it, and unfortunately <laughs> I think that built it up too much for you. I, maybe. Is this... Is this? Can I watch? Because I... No, I, I would not season, watch this if you did not like... I think it's ultimately more no, boring and has say, less to say. Do I need to watch the second season in order to enjoy this, or... Can I just watch it after watching one season? Because the second season is no, it has, it has nothing to do. Like they listen to uh, to uh, Critty Krista, the uh, the band that's like the th- the four really bitchy girls. Um, oh, I think yeah. that's, that's the only reference there's been to to, to the, the uh, to the show. original show. It's just another band in a different neighborhood in the endlessly sprawling midi city where every single person's in a band. Yeah, <laughs> kind of the, the cheaper, lazier version of everybody being really into tank stuff and girls and Panzer. It's just like it's a city where everyone's in a band. There's no, although she does have to go shopping for work uh, for a part time job for Baito, um, and like she's never had a job because she's like the, like her joke. The main character's joke is that she's a country bumpkin, and anytime anything happens, she's like, "Oh, so that's how they do it in the city." Because um, <laughs> like when the mint dragon shoots lasers at the forehead, she's like, "Wow, city girls are are really powerful," and everyone <laughs> else is like, "No, no, not really." <laughs> Just, uh, I mean, I hope you like that hearing that joke like eight more times, Andy, because that's that's the joke, the main joke to, for the main cast. To be fair, like I was a bit critical in show by what, but I I actually really did love the main four characters: Retori, Moa, Choo Choo, and Cyan. I I did really like them as characters. I thought that they were cute and lovable, and exactly what they wanted them to be, which was yeah. really solid mascot characters, which they fucking are. Uh, still have a lot of love for Mo and Rhetory. Like, they're great. <laughs> um, couldn't care that much for the rest of them. But, you know, like, there was some good stuff about Show by Rock that I was maybe a bit too glib on when I initially uh, spoke about it. So You I like to come it. hard, Andy. That's how it is. You like, to, you like to really, you know, come tearing out of the gates with all your criticisms. It's okay. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, I don't... <sighs> If you don't, if you're not into it enough to watch the second season, I don't know why you'd be into it enough to watch I'm, the spinoff. I'm, but right, right to clarify, I'm not into it enough to watch the second season with an English dub and no option to listen to it in Japanese. Oh, if I could find it with a Japanese sub, and right, which I probably could if I uh, trawled the internet hard enough. Um, but if my legal sources don't give me that option, what the fuck am I gonna do? Yeah, fair. Well, um, let me know if you find it. I wouldn't mind having someone to talk about this with. Like, I can talk about uh, Railgun with Duncan, but don't, don't, don't exert yourself. I don't think. <laughs> if this season's unrelated, I can certainly watch it. I've got nothing better to do us than mining. I mean, I hope that the, I hope that the, uh, that the 
thug guys come back, it would really be egg on my face if that's just it for them. <laughs> and now it's back to like the evil, the evil girl band because this is like they're they've just met their Kriti Krista, um, who also wants to steal away the country bumpkin girl for reasons I'm not really sure. Characterization's not a strength of these of these shows. No, so they never really explained. <laughs> a lot of the time, it's just he's evil because he's in a shadow. Yes, uh, that's it. Yeah. Um, well, um, I don't know. What should, what, what should we go to next? We have uh, Bofuri, Heia Camp, or Isekai Quartet 2 left on the list. I mean, there's not much to talk about Heia Camp. It's Yoru Camp, but <clears throat> shorter. And just reminds me why I love Yoru Camp and why I want fucking more of it. And that's it sounds like Isekai Quartet's the same. <laughs> so Exactly. Um, Is Heia Camp just like a four-panel version of... Um... I mean, I think I think Eurocamp's already a four-panel. It's just, okay. it's just, uh, it's just like five minutes long instead of a whole thirty minutes. Okay. Which, does, it, anything, is, does that improve it? Is it better no, that way? It's exactly no? the same. If anything, no. the big problem is that it's five minutes because as soon as I mean, the great thing about uh, Eurocamp is that you just it really draws you into that world and draws you into their life and the relaxing and the, the sort of nostalgic feeling of camping. It really fucking gets you like, uh, believing that and, and it gets you that feeling and, and Hey, camp doesn't do that. It doesn't go do camping so much. Cause the idea is, is that, uh, to win a prize, they've got to do like a stamp collection rally. So they go around like all these, uh, famous places in, um, in and around, Fuji, which in many ways feels like why it even got created was just attract attract ah. tourism for like areas, for like national parks around around Japan. I mean, um, there's worse things that anime could be used for, I guess. Exactly, and you know the animation's like the same level. It's still uh, beautiful. Uh, the characters are still wonderful and lovable. And the only downside is I just wish that there was more of it. I wish it was not. 10 minutes i wish it was a whole half an hour because i could have fucking like swum in that pool forever uh i really love i really loved yuru camp and i think so did loads of other people and in many ways just a little stopgap a little reminder that it still exists and that it's still good it's fine for me um whilst they i hope give up for a second season uh because it is excellent and it feels like a throwaway because like it feels like nothing's going to happen from it but then you could argue that the whole of Yuru Camp is a throwaway because nothing really happens apart from girls go camping. And it's really cute and adorable and it makes you laugh um, and relaxing. So, and, you know, uh, I think Izakai Quartet, going to that real quick, it's funny still. Uh, it's still very much uh, commandeered by the uh, connoisseur levels of comedy. Um, it's very still enjoyably written. And uh, I think from what I remember John saying uh, offline was that the best thing you can say about it is that S.H.I.E.L.D. hero characters are not in it that much, which is yeah, true for now. They have been a bit of a, a non, non-event. And yeah, which a- feels Ains weird. Does still sti- I think Ains steals the show pretty much. Him Between him and Aqua, those two, and like Aqua challenging Ains to a... a a uh, sort of uh, a study contest on on the face of it is is like okay this is this is is going to be no contest because Ains in the TV series is like this super 
complicated plotting over overlord except the the the, the bit of his character which makes that that particular series interesting is he's not really he's just making it up as he goes along and this just plays into that fully it's like well, I, I never I, 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 mean, sorry, I like, think the other thing about Ains is that in his world everybody believes everything that he says so even when he fucks up people still are eating like just as intended <laughs> just and he's just he just fucking like yeah make goes with the flow it's like yep I intended that um, which is then interesting because as the seasons continue that makes him more and more of a cropper it's his um, his, the interesting thing about Ainz is when he bluffs that's when things go start going wrong and the more he bluffs the more shit gets like out of control anyway which, coming which, on. which did happen in the in the most recent episode like him and aqua uh, get into this this contest and he's like okay i'm gonna use my ultimate trump card i'm gonna stop time he's he, like you'll and you get the and all the world turns black and white and everyone stops and he goes okay right now time to sneak a, a look at someone's t- paper and then aqua's a, then you, the camera pans to aqua and she's like huh huh why's, why's everyone stopped and he just starts poking <laughs> her and then Ains is like shit she's she, she, she's not affected she's a go- oh shit she's a goddess of course she's not affected and then, then it pans to tanya who's like what are you doing aqua and, and Ains, Ains, Ains is just sta- standing still pretending he's been affected while while tanya criticizes aqua and, and then then you get a uh, oh, bloody hell uh temporarily forgot uh zero bloke's name uh just going oh well yeah, yeah what you two stop arguing. This is a test. We'll just get in trouble. And it's just like, <laughs> Ains is just like, shit, him as well? And it's it's, it's just like, Ains' thing has always been like, he's assumes he's, he sort of bluffs his way through everything and assumes he really is the most powerful thing in the room. And, but in this case, it's just everyone's like him. Everyone's an Isekai protagonist. And so, of course, they're not, <laughs> yeah. not affected by his, his stupid bullshit. And, it's it's been just generally great because as they they they're they're like adults stuck in school and so like they they were stealing the principal's hidden stash of wine and then getting stuck in detention and it's all playing one thing i i've heard about this corset is that it's written with the active collaboration of some of the original authors of of the of each work which is unusual for like parodies like so it's people playing with their own creations and having fun and undermining the the things which obviously being in being very familiar with it stand out to it as 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 their flaws and stuff it's like like we were talking about how in isaac and they watch back and they're able to criticize their own work when they see it up on screen like mm-hmm. this is this is like the authors of all these shows going oh god i made him like that didn't i right let's take the piss and it's it's great for that yeah i mean as as sort of i think ben touched on this before like there's a lot of these types of chibi-esque shows i mean even re-zero had a one of themselves and but it feels like isekai quartet has had a particularly large amount of love uh poured into it um purely not just because they're all famous but as you said like, i didn't know that every single writer uh like had their little um had their own sort of like credit and sort of attributed to it because that's really great that totally makes sense 
Uh, and that's more than you'd get with any of the other ones. Like, I don't know how much that's probably. a marketing gimmick and them saying, oh, yeah, oh, of course all the creators had had input and how much that is well, I don't know the how creators much a marketing had input. gimmick that would really be. Like, it's, I don't know. I don't know if anyone would be like, oh, so the ReZero guy actually put some writing clout into this. Well, he, the ReZero guy has probably sold <gasps> millions of copies of ReZero, so. <laughs> yeah, but... Again, that's the other thing. ReZero is not a comedy. Like, I don't know how much clout if somebody told me, by the way, JR, like, fucking Tolkien or whatever was like, yeah, he did a comedy as well. Do you want to read the comedy Lord of the Rings? I'd be like, mm, I mean, I think a lot not. of people it's... would. Maybe not you, but I think a lot of people would. I mean, that was The Hobbit, right? And that was a good one. So um, you've, you've got a good point. <laughs> We're gonna, you're going to get us emails, Andy, that I do not want to have to answer. I don't care. Fight me. Lord of the Rings is shit. <laughs> Okay, well, changing changing to a more traditional but still isekai-focused fantasy story, uh, Duncan, uh, why don't you close us out with Bofuri? So, yes, Bofuri, I don't want to get hurt, so I'll max out my defense. Uh, it is not an isekai, and that's important. Um, no. It is a virtual world thing, so a more traditional person puts on virtual reality goes into a computer game but is not trapped in there goes in and out when they like plays it for fun and unlike isekai it doesn't have that um threat of oh if you die in the game you die for real no it's that you you play the game you have fun and you hang out and make friends and that's essentially what its appeal is did either of you play uh, World of Warcraft or or any of the no. other big MMOs when they first came out? Uh, I played Dark Age of Camelot in high school oh, and World, ben, of, and World of Warcraft. <laughs> and World of Warcraft, like for my f- first semester of college, I could never get into M- any MMO. They just stressed right. me out. I felt like I was wasting money if I wasn't playing them all the time. I just feel like I'm not... wasting time. As soon as I get on them, I'm just like, I feel my life wasting away. I'm, and that is very fucking hypocritical for a guy who plays video games all the time. But like, that's just me. Anyway. No, I, I feel you. I, I I like playing with friends. I don't like being one cog in a machine of an infinite an infinitude of millions. Mm. But fortunately, anime protagonists are immune to that, you know, ennui. Right, Duncan? I mean, the thing about this show is that when an MMO first launches, it's unknown. You don't know how the systems work. You don't know um, exactly how things are going to play out. One of the problems with things like Warcraft now, like 15 years on into its existence, is that everything's been figured out. Everything is a solved problem. And that's why people are so nostalgic for the idea of the old days of of MMOs when they were when they were sort of the wild west when and people could be the first person ever to do this particular thing and mm-hmm. Bofori is very much interested in someone this one person who has as its title uh, uh, insinuates just basically goes well I don't like fighting and 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 this is a a, a virtual game so I'm just going to dump all my stats into defense and so uh, she has she can't kill anything she can barely even move she's so slow because she didn't put anything into movement speed so she's just like struggling along while everyone else is is like whizzing around the world and and what that turns out to mean is that yeah she can't do much but 
nothing can do much to her either. And she just, the first episode is just her getting like mobbed by level one critters and just like, ah, leave me alone. And just like all these bunnies and wasps bouncing off her and just like, ah. And just, but eventually her realizing, oh, nothing's happening. It's fine. And eventually going to sleep in the middle of a, a sort of enchanted forest, getting mobbed by level one creatures who just met eventually clubbed themselves to death on her impenetrable defense. Uh, if Jeff was here, he would say the Homer, the Homer Simpson technique is, I think, what he would call it. Yeah. And basically, eventually just leveling up this skill from getting hit 10,000 times or something, which obviously, he, which the implication is, oh, no one expects anyone to get this skill so, so early because... Uh, um, no one's going to get hit that many times without dying, but obviously she is getting just hit by all these these critters and levels up this weird skill. And like the, the show goes on from there, her, her suddenly realizing, oh, uh, now I can now I can convert uh, like defense into attack, and and my shield can now devour people. <laughs> it's, it's like <laughs> all these these strange weird um, ways that someone doing something unexpected breaks the game and like it, it's just very nostalgic to me of the early days of like mmos like in in warcraft they didn't that for a long time there was no way of um t- practicing like your rotations of spells and skills and stuff for for raids and so p- there were certain mobs for quests which were undying and so people would purposely not complete that one quest just so they had an undying opponent which wouldn't kill them which they could use as a target dummy and so it's just like these weird little use cases the designers never thought of and players themselves like find coming and like emergent out of the systems and like it's cool to see a a show where having a, a protagonist be overpowered isn't a doesn't come from their sort of godlike knowledge of the world and the the skills it just comes from them finding a, a unexpected use case and just, just sort of of lucking their way into that and th- that on its own might get a bit tired but um they brought in her her friend who wanted to who got her into the game and couldn't orig- couldn't play with her when she started playing because she was studying and who turns out to be just basically uh, the hardcore gamer girl who just plays con- has played every game and was sort of expecting her to be useless and and then joins in and finds oh she's she's actually over overpowered but in useless in these other ways and it's so you've got this mix of like cluelessness and savviness and it it just plays really well with this the this social dynamics and the uh the way that a new world that you've never seen before can be actually quite amazing when you haven't done that and it's 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 i think it really really captures the idea of MMOs well. Like, the two things it most resembles to me are um, Gun Girl Online without the um, needlessly edge-ladiness of Pito and uh, uh, Log Horizon without the actual being trapped in the game part. And it's, it's like this weird mix of those two. 
Yeah. And also, I mean, I, I always love when you're attracted to anime because they remind you of being in an MMO, because that was why you're really fond of Diary of an MMO Junkie, too, wasn't it? Because it mm. had very authentic, like, online friendship simulation. I mean, I guess Gun Gale Online also did to a lesser extent. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think like we we all all of us met originally through a, a video games forum, which mm-hmm. and I think like video games for our generation have been a big part of our lives, and I think the shows which actually capture something authentic about that are actually kind of rare because often they gesture to it and just morph into conventional power fantasies like the. Uh, Sword Art Online does, for instance. And whereas this seems to be more about the things which actually do make MMOs interesting, which is, as I say, the the emergent systems and the, the social ties. And like to see that represented well in animated form is just uh, a pleasure. And it's it's just like to for something someone to evoke like the first time my like crappy little night elf wandered into uh, the moon glade and went wow this tree's the size of a fucking skyscraper wow mm. and that being like at the time an amazing thing to me like this seems to have like that that's the advantage of picking a kind of uh, not useless but a uh uh, what an onjon? No, no. Um, just someone who's who's unfamiliar with the tropes of of playing games as as your heroine. That would be fine. Yeah. And yeah, it's just like refreshing reminder to of a less cynical time to me, and I, I like that. What it's... innocent world. Yeah. Have you have yeah. you have you um, watched? Uh... And you thought there was never a girl online? Have you watched that one? Nope. Yeah, me neither. That's kind of like the opposite where they have a... It's a net girl, but they... He confesses her love and then she just... like then Basically, there's a girl that he's only met online and he thinks he's a girl. He's pretty sure, but he's not quite sure. And he confesses his love to it and it's like a slice sort of like weird like rom-com thing but with an MMO it might be sort of like a weird counterpoint to what you're talking about uh, I mean, where it's n- not a new world it's an existing world that everybody knows but uh, the relationships offline are very much revolving around the relationships online it's interesting it's I worth mean, uh, it's, I don't know whether it's that good I, I enjoyed it <laughs> but I could but it took me five minutes then to search the name of it to remember what it was about I mean that that, that, that reminds me a bit of uh, uh, as Ben brought up Net June no excuse me because like that was very much like someone in an, an adult about an adult with a job playing and what and what and I think I like Watatkoi partly for this yeah, reason as well because they're, yeah. they're about adults uh, playing video games and like that's obviously something I relate to um, and like that those authentic acknowledge it's like people having friends outside the game and how that how their work and jobs and social responsibilities interact with that and 
so, like so far this has been a fairly innocent take like no one's got addicted and and dropped <laughs> grades at school because of 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 it yet but it's yeah it's it's just uh, cute girls do mmo things maybe is is the the genre yeah it's funny cuz like at the beginning of the well i feel always think that the thing that kind of starts this off for me when i was looking like like the whole gaming anime like girl trope shit you have like what's that uh that one that it's not like your guys oh fuck that anime that you hate that's getting supposedly a third season uh with the with senna the blonde big girl oh uh, Haganai. Haganai, i don't have many friends yeah. and then you get slightly evolved stuff which is like gamers where relationships do happen and they still have they're still like loving video games and one of them also mates them and the relationships are way more complex around video games in that situation. I don't know whether you watch Gamers, Duncan. I think I watched a couple of episodes and I sort of like felt it was kind of like okay, but nothing special. I think you, you, was it you or John who kept watching it and quite actually enjoyed it as a rom-com? It's probably you if it was a rom-com. John, yeah, John's I, not a rom-com guy. No, I watched all of it. I absolutely loved, I loved it up to a point. There's certainly some great episodes, like the confession episode is great, and then it slowly it like drops off a cliff after that. But <laughs> when it gets to the confession, like that's a really great scene. That's a really great episode, and then sort of like the will they won't they, and like the the love triangle doesn't kind of really develop much past that as he like starts going out with the med- like with the blonde like beautiful woman who's also really into video games. And that's sort of in many ways like a one downfall because you can't really communicate outside of video games, which is you know. Well, I, I was going to say that that's that's that reminds me of the one other thing I've been been watching, which is I've been catching up on uh, High Score Girl, and so I'm slowly going to uh, catch up with Ben. And it's it's actually it's I I've just got to the end of the arc when they are in the he's 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 gone away to uh is it shibaya where he's he's like become a punk kid yeah and... i love i love that arc that's the best arc of the what? show kind he of he becomes a punk kid yeah I, he becomes I'm a delinquent not... briefly because <laughs> because he's bummed out about uh about akira like the whole situation there and i i love ono's sister going there and like deciding she's going to just barge in and uh, take over his thing to, to grief him, and then actually deciding she likes the fashion. And was <laughs> like, God, God damn it. I, I'm glad that... I really liked the ending of... Um, well, I didn't like it, but I understood the ending of High School Girl. So I'm glad that you're enjoying the second season, and I hope that it it lands its ending and I look forward to watching it in four months time on Netflix. I thought it was, I thought it was very cheesy, but I think ultimately it, it's, it's fine. It's a good ending. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Well, with that, let's go ahead and wrap up. If you want to email us, you can email us at keyframespodcast at gmail.com. We'll be discussing Hakusei's, that's doctors and scientists in anime, for the next episode's topic. But for now, remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Find us on Twitter, KeyframesPod. Find us on Facebook, search for KeyframesPodcast. And yeah, tell a friend. But not just any friend. I thought we'd give him a bit of... <laughs> Tell the sort of friend who who thought that there was a meme that died, and then and then you kept bringing it back. 
like that good guy. Do you even have Steve. one prepared, or is it, are you no, vamping trying, trying to think I'm of just, one? Just frantically thinking of one because I forget that I have to do this every episode now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we're back at our bullshit. Say goodbye, everybody, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Bye. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.